We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast for part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Patton. Jason, we have a real live Bulls game to talk about. Real in the sense that it was a preseason game, at least. Bulls lose 129 to 125, falling to the New Orleans Pelicans in their 2022-2023 preseason opener. Uh, It was a game where the Bulls came out pretty flat and looked quite frankly, like garbage. In the <laughs> yeah. Pelicans had a 40 to 25 advantage after the first period. The Bulls second unit in particular looked totally lost offensively. I thought in terms of what they were trying to accomplish when they had the ball. Uh, but over the course of the game, the Bulls slowly started to chip away and get back into it. DeMar DeRozan did his thing, particularly in the third quarter, getting to the line a bunch of times, hitting some tough mid-range pull-ups, doing what DeMar does. Nikola Vucevic, surprisingly strong game, perhaps, certainly an encouraging game uh, from Vucevic. He finished with 15 points. He was the Bulls, I think, third leading scorer yep. behind DeMar and Javante Green. Javante Green, first guy off the bench, still playing with a ton of energy, still doing Javante Green things. We love to see it. Uh, And then in the fourth quarter, the scrubs came in or the deep bench came in and we got the Dalen Terry show. And I was a little disappointed we didn't see Dalen earlier in the game. But man, he was so much fun when he came in in the fourth. So much energy, enthusiasm. You saw the positional size. And I was pretty surprised he could score as effectively as he could. Finished five of seven shooting from the floor with 11 points, had seven rebounds, two assists, two steals, doing a lot on defense. Uh, just this kid is poised to be a fan favorite if he can get on the floor and carve out a meaningful role for the Bulls. So uh, that was the preseason opener, Jason. The game went very late. We are both very tired from (laughs) staying up too late to watch it. 
but what did you think of uh, of the first time you saw your brand new Chicago Bulls this season? Yeah, first of all, yeah, very late. We had an 8.30 start because they were on TNT. The TNT Bulls were like half back, but it doesn't count because it's that the TNT Bulls are regular season only. Uh, so not preseason, but yeah, 8.30 and the game went forever. There were like 60 fouls, like 50 turnovers. Um, and it got kind of wild at the end, as you mentioned, after the first half was really ugly. So, I mean, I guess we'll I'll, I'll piggyback off the positive, at least, about Dale and Terry. Uh, I mean, I'm like ready right now just to be like Dale and Terry, get him in the rotation over Goran Dragic, who maybe had the worst debut I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Terry was the energy was great. Definitely. From, I mean, from the start, his first defensive possession, he came in in the third quarter, I believe. Uh, and he stoned who was I think it was Jose Alvarado. And they. They called they Alvarado flopped big time and they got Terry for a garbage call. Uh, but you just saw the energy. I like to, he's got chaotic energy, but it's like, and sometimes it can be a bit much. And he had a few turnovers, but uh, you can also do a lot of good with that if you harness it correctly. And we saw some of that. We saw a great steal and dunk, uh, late in the fourth when the Bulls actually went up four, and then Andre Drummond got ejected from the bench with the second technical, and then it went downhill from there. Classic. Um, we saw a nice drive and like little, I think he was like driving with his left and then he like spun back around with a, like a little floater hook shot type deal uh, that he made. That was really a nice move. Uh, so yeah, really nice little first impression for Dale and Terry in the preseason. Again, it is against, um, it was against mostly scrubs. So like, can he do that kind of stuff against real players that are like trying uh, who knows, but um We'll see if he does actually get any minutes. That type of energy could be nice. Um, with Lonzo out, there could be more of an opportunity. Kobe White suffered an injury yesterday. Seems minor, but uh, Kobe only played a couple minutes. If Dragic is actually washed, uh, maybe that would open up more of an opportunity for Terry. Because Dragic, again, I'm not going to say that Dragic is definitely totally washed here. Uh, but, I mean, he was really bad in his minutes. He played 13 minutes all in the first half. Had three turnovers within, like, four minutes. He completely he hit nothing but backboard on a three-pointer he missed a layup uh it was as bad as you can get basically for Goran Dragic until he hit like a little turnaround jumper at the end of the first half really rough showing for him he's 36 he'll probably need some time uh maybe to get to get used to this team his role here uh we saw I feel like the with the Bulls implementing this new offense and stuff uh they, they seemed like they were just kind of a mess offensively uh passes all over the place and it was kind of everybody like zach had four turnovers a L- drummond i mentioned Dragic, just a lot of sloppy sloppy turnovers and bad decision making which i mean andre drummond is not a great decision maker in general but like uh some of it was clearly just like guys didn't seem to know where they were supposed to be guys just like forcing passes into bad spots so a lot of just general sloppiness uh from the bulls other good stuff you mentioned, Demar. Really, nothing, nothing more you can say. He had a, he was in grift mode already in midseason form. Twelve free throw attempts. The Vooch stuff was very nice. To see, are we going to get some contract year Vooch here? He had four blocks, three blocks in the first quarter, including at least one of Zion. Uh, he might have had multiple. I can remember. I just know one for sure. He blocked Zion on a drive to the basket, which I know he's got size on Zion. Zion's not like uh, he's a little shorter. I don't think he's at the longest arms, but I mean Zion's one of the best finishers in the NBA. So for Vooch, who is not a rim protector, really, the block Zion to rack up four blocks, plus three steals, plus some assists. He also made two of his four threes. We've talked about importance of Vooch getting his three-point percentage back up to 35, 36 around league average would be really nice. So that was those were good stubs, good stuff. 
the rest of it was mostly shit. Uh, the defense got totally wrecked. I know they did force a lot of turnovers as well, but again, the Pelicans were also very sloppy when they weren't making every basket, whether it was in a layup or an open three-pointer. Uh, so when the Bulls were not forcing turnovers, they just really weren't stopping much of anything. And I mean, caveat, of course, the Pelicans, I think, are going to be a badass team. They did not have Brandon Ingram last night, but I mean, with Zion back and Zion looked fucking awesome. I mean, just explosiveness. He absolutely roasted Patrick Williams with a quick move on the on the baseline. He also the block that he had. They got him. They called it goaltending. I I thought that was pretty clean. Uh, he also had another play where he bullied Pat, where he missed the first shot and then second jump back up right through him, made it. So Zion looks awesome. The Pelicans are going to be dope. Uh, but the Bulls, I mean, I feel like just a lot of the concerns that we had about this team, especially with Alonzo, shined through in that first half. Uh, the offense, again, was sloppy, and that's going to be a thing. The three-point shooting, they were 4 or 15 from three in the first half, and we saw some lineups that were just like, like, how is this team going to score other than like DeMar just pulling shit out of his ass? Like this, I think he started the second quarter with, it was like Io, Javante, uh, I don't know if it was Derek, like maybe Crusoe and then like Derek Jones or, or something. I, I don't know if it was Derek Jones. Or, it was just like how, or I think and Dragic. It was just like, how is this lineup? Like you have DeMar out there playing point and then you have like a bunch of average or below average shooters around him. Like that just, or no, I think Drummond was actually out there with him. It was just a bunch of crap out there with DeMar and just like not an ideal use of spacing to take advantage. So just like teams can load up on DeMar and not worry about the three point shooting. And I mean, that was the thing that, and they finished 10 of 27 from three. Like IO did have IO's jumper looked pretty nice on the few that he took. Um, Zach three, three, had a, yeah. Zach hit a couple Vooch hit a couple, but then like, we saw like the bench has just like no shooting on it at all especially with, with Kobe only playing two minutes. So like that lack of three point shooting and just some of those gross offensive lineups are going to be a problem. And like, when you just even look ahead, if this is, team does make the playoffs or postseason, because there's enough talent, top level talent. to I think win a decent amount of games. So even, but like if they do get into the playoffs, you're going to see so many situations where it's like, how is this lineup going to do anything in the playoffs when teams can scout them and just like, don't care about some of these guys offensively. So like, that's an issue. And then the defense was just, was just not great. And, uh, um, again, I, the Pelicans are going to be a high high powered team. They're really they're going to be really impressive. But uh, you just worry. I mean, we, without Lonzo there at the, as the head of the snake, um, it'll be it'll be tough. Uh, just missing him. They did start Io at point. Didn't think Io looked that great defensively. Uh, I, think, I think he got blown by a few times. Uh, like I said, I thought his jumper looked good, but defensively it wasn't that great. Caruso started in the second half for Levine. I do wonder. I do wonder if they go if their defense just really struggles if they do go with Caruso and over Io. It's something we've talked about already. Um, but yeah, I know I went through a lot of things there, and we'll have more to talk about. What were your other any other like main takeaways from this I, game? I guess my big thing, Jason, is what did we see that's different from Patrick Williams? Yeah, because if the Bulls are going to have some more upside this year, I think that upside rests in Patrick Williams, and to a slightly lesser extent, Io DeSumo, really taking a step forward in their second and third years, respectively. Uh, That's why I was a bit disappointed that Patrick Williams never really found his rhythm offensively. Finished the game 2-7 from the field, five points, five rebounds, one assist. Uh, What I saw from Patrick Williams is a lot of what we saw last season in terms of how he was used. And I did start to get my hopes up a little bit (laughs) after Pat had that quote at media day where he was like 
it's a new offense. It's revamped. We're trying to get guys in spots to score. DeMar immediately shot that down. He's like, you can't ask Pat anything. He's still a teenager. And Donovan was like, well, I don't know if we'd call it a new offense so much. Darnell Mayberry wrote about uh, what exactly is new with the Bulls offense. You can check that out if you want to at The Athletic. But to me, like, they got to get Pat with the ball in his hands a little bit more often. I think the best way to do this is to feature him in lineups when DeRozan is not on the floor. And last year, DeRozan played 36 minutes a game. I think that's just way too much for DeMar in his age 33 season. Uh, We did see some lineups led by Levine and Pat, and that was in the second quarter. I think they had a stretch there. And in those lineups, I would like to see Pat Williams cook a little bit more with the ball in his hands and for the coaching staff to really emphasize that. And Pat's development is not going to happen unless it is an organizational, you know, focal point. Like they know that, all right, if this guy's going to be the best version of himself, it's probably going to be as a wing creator, someone who, could, you know, hit his mid-range pull-up, someone who can put a little bit of pressure on the rim as a driver. Uh, I don't see Pat having a super high ceiling as an off-ball shooter. And we saw him, you know, make one three in this game. I think he took two. His three-point shot does not look like overhauled at all. It looks like a similar three-point shot. And last year, that went in above a 40% clip in the 17 games he played. I feel like the second one he took was nice. That was in rhythm. Got it up relatively quick. Splashed it from the top of the key. Uh, But, yeah, he he only took two. So. so a little slow on the release. And I just don't want Patrick Williams to be, for better or worse, a release valve when the offense breaks down around DeMar and Levine. Okay, just kick it out to Pat. Pat will take a three at the end of the shot clock. That's just not how to groom him as someone who you chose not to trade, someone who you drafted number four overall. And it's like it's no secret around the league that if the Bulls are actually going to, you know, compete to win a playoff series this season, a lot of their upside rests on the shoulders of Patrick Williams. And I'm a bit disappointed that we didn't see too much from him. Now, the easy thing to do is to blame Pat and say, oh, Pat needs to be more aggressive. That's going to be the most repeated phrase for the entire season. Uh, just as it has been like throughout his career when we're talking about Patrick Williams, he needs to be more aggressive when he gets his chances. Well, to me, it's more on the coaching staff. I think they need to design some stuff and cook up some stuff to put Pat in the best position to succeed. Last year, granted, it was against, you know, bench warmers in a game that didn't matter. But last year, last game of the regular season against the Timberwolves, Pat was awesome. He had like 35 points. They were running the entire offense through him. I would just like to see more of that when DeMar's on the bench. And then when DeMar comes back into the game, You know, we saw a lot of Javante and I think Javante, like the level of defensive energy and intensity he brings on every possession is just a natural fit alongside DeMar. So, uh, of course, like stick with Pat in the starting lineup, but I wouldn't be afraid to like, you know, give Pat a little bit of a quick hook to try to pair Pat and Zach and then DeMar and Javante, uh, that that was my one big takeaway from the game. Are you surprised? He only, I think he only played 17 minutes. Are you surprised he, they didn't give him like 25? Get him maybe a bit more action there with like the second string, third string guys. Yeah, yeah. Pat played. Pat only played 17. Uh, Zach played like the Zach played 17. Pat played 17. Zach only played 17, and that was all in the first half because of the knee stuff. Understandable. Totally fine. DeRozan, Vooch, and Io all played 23 minutes. Like I mean, Javante played more than Pat. I feel like that's. 
know Javante had a nice game, but like I feel like that's ridiculous, right? I know yeah. it's only preseason, but like Pat needs the reps, like whether it's on ball, whether it's just getting the minutes. And like maybe you do help build up some of that confidence by having him go against some of the other scrubs and maybe taking advantage of that and giving him some more opportunities. Uh yeah, I, 17 minutes was seemed weird there. I don't know. Uh it was, I mean, disappointing, yes, for sure. I was I figured we were going to get to Pat at some point. You went right into it. Uh also semi-disheartening to already see there were quotes about Patrick Williams today from like practice. We have this from Billy Donovan. <clears throat> just kind of echoing some of the issues. I mean, just the aggressive, the whole aggressiveness stuff and all that. The reality is you're going to make mistakes and you're an imperfect player as we're all imperfect people. The standard is great, but can he, when he makes makes mistakes, not dwell into that where we get four or five possessions where it's like he had opportunities to be aggressive, but he's living with what's behind him. That's the challenge. Uh, like that is getting into like weird again, like confidence stuff and like, almost bringing back memories of like what was going on with like Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, when he would sometimes maybe lose his confidence and get down on himself and just like not play great. Uh, what do you make of that quote from Billy here today um, after kind of what you were just talking about? Yeah, I think it's on Billy. I think there's a lot of pressure on Billy to try to make these pieces work. The Bulls are in a really tough spot in that they're like competitive. They're trying to win as many games as possible. Uh, but one of their best players is hurt for the start of the season in Lonzo. They don't have a lot of shooting and a lack of shooting just makes things more difficult for everyone else involved. Uh, So I think it's on the coaching staff to try to like create some better looks for the rest of the team and uh, to try to really develop Pat and Io in particular. So a bit of a disappointing quote, but I also just like, I don't know, like you're yelling at Pat to be more aggressive when he's catching the ball in the corner uh, instead of like really like handling the ball and like getting in rhythm. Just seems like Pat's never really in rhythm because he just is rarely involved in the play unless the ball swings to him from Pat or DeMar. So my theory on this or my idea on this is let Pat and Zach cook in lineups together. Zach can be really good off the ball in those situations, too. We know he's a magnificent shooter, and I think Zach hopefully will be poised for a really good year this year. But, yeah, those uh, those quotes from Billy, unfortunately, just like very much more of the same. And I do think that oftentimes when you see a guy make a big leap early in his career, in his third or fourth year, that it shows up in the preseason. So Bulls got three more preseason games left. Hopefully the next ones are more encouraging from Patrick Williams' perspective, but um, this preseason opener was a lot more of what we've seen throughout his career. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even if they, I mean, yeah, I mean, I agree to a degree, the coaching staff, but I, I mean, there is some of it, I think where he just needs to put his imprint on the game more, even if it's not offensively, I mean, defense, what do you think? How about, what do you think of his defense against Zion? I mean, Zion is obviously a brutal challenge. He got embarrassed a few times. Um, he did rebound decently well, five rebounds in whatever, 17 minutes. Is, that's that's solid. I mean, that, if you put him out playing 30 minutes a night, that's eight or nine. That's decent. He had a couple offensive. Uh, what do you make of the rest of this game besides just like his offense? I feel like sometimes he just like doesn't, for like what he is, he just doesn't seem to totally make enough of an imprint, even just besides scoring. Although, again, the rebounding was good. Um, so, yeah, other parts of Pat's game. Yeah, like, what are you going to do against Zion? Yeah. <laughs> Zion, 
you know, if he can reach his potential, is going to be an MVP level player. And it's possible it happens this season. I think Zion's going to have a monster year. He looks great. I mean, just like he's jacked. He looks fit. He lo- looked explosive. He looked he looks awesome. So hope just knock on wood that Zion could stay healthy. And no one's going to be able to stay in front of Zion. Like when basically Zion hit Pat with that baseline drive. <laughs> that was nasty. Was like I'm not getting <laughs> mad at Pat for that. No one's going to be able to check him on that. But Pat's overall game, like, yeah, like, let's see him be, like, a true plus on defense. Like, certainly he has defensive tools. He's had some very good defensive moments. The block on DeAndre Ayton a couple seasons ago from his rookie year is the first thing that pops into my mind. And he had some good defensive plays throughout last season, too. But you would just like to see a consistently above-average defensive impact from Patrick Williams. Not sure we're there yet, but... I think his defense is going to be good. I'm not really worried about his defense. I'm worried about how can we make him the best offensive player he can be. And it just doesn't feel like he's really close to that yet. Yeah, definitely not. And there's definitely clearly a long, long way to go. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Takeaways on the new guys. I mentioned Dragic a little bit, that he was a disaster. I thought Drummond was also a disaster. Uh, he did have like his stalemate ended up being okay. He had like seven boards, three offensive, three assists. Also had some terrible turnovers, just some honestly hilarious attempts to try to score. He did have one like nice drive uh, from like the almost the three point line, but he was really putting the ball on the floor a lot and like trying to do a lot of shit. And like most of the time it was not working. Like uh, he does. Look, I would say he does look to be maybe in better shape because I feel like he looked like big, big, like last year. 
uh, with the Sixers and the Nets. I thought he looks to be at least in decent shape. I just feel like he's going to be a really frustrating player to watch because of his uh, just the decision making, uh, some of the stuff that he tries. Uh, he did have one really nice block as well of Hernan Gomez. But uh, what do you th- what are your thoughts on the newcomers? I was not high on the Dragic signing when it happened, and I thought that he looked pretty horrible, especially <laughs> in the first half. Uh, I went back and watched his three turnovers, and they were just like no hope plays. Yeah. Like, what are we even trying to accomplish? Yeah, this Dragic. But he was pretty good in Eurobasket, so I'm not going to take a victory lap yet on Goran Dragic being trash. I'll say that, you know, Kobe got hurt in this game. I would prefer to see Kobe get rotation minutes over Dragic just I because need to shoot. I trust him more as a shooter. He's younger. I think he's got a little bit more upside. And what, it's year four for Kobe? Like, if it's going to happen... Now or never, yeah. ...at all, why not now? So... I truly have no use for Dragic, but unfortunately, <laughs> I think that he's going to be seeing a decent amount of minutes. I hope I'm wrong about him, too, because certainly he was a really good player at his peak, uh, but it just feels like he's on his last legs as an NBA player right now. This is his, like, Patrick Ewing with the Magic era, <laughs> or what, Olajuwon on the Raptors, whatever it is. So, uh, Dragic, not high on Drummond, like, in a vacuum, Drummond should be a really good backup center. But Drummond is just so frustrating. It's like he just leaves you wanting a lot more than what he gives you. And those are the most frustrating guys to watch in any sport. Uh, I think that he's going to be one of these guys who just has like baffling moments of like turnovers or loafs or times where like it's like, dude, you're like the biggest, strongest guy on the floor. Play with a little bit more force. With that being said, I'm thrilled to not have Tristan Thompson on the team. And I think that Drummond will be an upgrade over that. But in terms of like Drummond being their big offseason addition, that's such a depressing sentence and is such a depressing reality for the Chicago Bulls. That like you built this pretty dope team last year. You had, you know, $10.5 million to play around with. And you would think, like, okay, the offseason goal should have just been just get as is just improve as much as you can. Right. Like, okay, you don't have a top 10 player in the league or anything. Uh, You don't have like a singular superstar or really a path to a championship. But let's after what you did last year, after trading all your future picks, like just build the best team you can. And when you add Drummond and Dragic, it just doesn't feel like they did that to me. It feels like instead their goal was let's make the playoffs while still getting Jerry Reinsdorf's luxury tax check, which I believe is like 16 million dollars this year. So just like that comes more down to like organizational priorities, but Drummond for what he is, is a backup center. Like in a vacuum, he should be one of the better backup centers in the league. I just don't know if this situation on the bulls is really going to show that. I hope it does. And you would think like, if nothing else, 48 straight minutes of Drummond and Vooch, if they choose to do that at center should give the team some good rebounding. Yeah, which the sure. rebounding numbers last year were horrible on both ends of the floor. Part of that was because they emphasized transition defense, but uh, I'm not, I'm I'm not super high on Drummond whatsoever. And then Dalen, let's just see more of Dalen, right? Like the the tough thing about Dalen is that I think his biggest weakness early in his career is going to be his ability to score against a set defense yeah. in the half court there were a lot of times where the bulls were basically playing him as de facto point guard, which I like to see he would beat his man with a nice downhill drive. But then if he didn't have a passing lane open, it just seemed like he didn't know what to do. Like he doesn't really have a bag of scoring tricks yet, 
one thing that helps is that he's fucking huge. I mean, he's built yeah. like Hardaway, six foot eight, long arms. A couple times he went to the basket and had some pretty creative finishes. So I'd love to see him, you know, continue to try to develop that finishing craft. He had a really nasty pass too. that. I think I can't remember who it was to who, who got immediately packed into the backboard, but like it was, it was a great find for where he was at on the court, like right next. I can't remember exactly. I can't really describe it because I can't remember exactly, but I don't know if it was Carl Jones. He like, it was like a wraparound or something. Might've, might've even been like a no look. To Carl Jones right by the basket. He got stuck. Like I said, he got stuffed into the backboard, but a really nifty pass. I know that was one of his big pluses coming out of Arizona, right? Was his passing ability. Like he could just do some, make some really nasty passes. Yeah. So I think his passing is going to be sick. And I think he's going to be a really good fit next to Levine. I want to see Levine and Terry together on the floor. Transition. With Patrick Williams. Let's Come out throw, run. we want to throw Caruso in that lineup and then maybe Vooch. I don't know how often we're going to see that lineup, but I would really like to see the core of Pat, Dalen, and Zach when DeMar's on the bench. I think that could at least lead to some exciting moments. And yeah, Terry is just going to be so much fun. He's going to be a ball of energy. Uh, it just kind of sucks because Tari Eason went one pick before him. And I think Tari Eason's going to be like a really, really good NBA player. And the pick before that was AJ Griffin, who really hasn't done much since the draft because he's had some injury issues. Maybe he'll never be good, but I liked AJ Griffin's long-term potential as well. They were 16 and 17. The Bulls get Dalen at 18. Uh, but in general, I want more Dalen in my life. I had a big smile on my face. <laughs> Watching him last night, I was trying to keep an eye on the Wembenyama versus Scoop game. Had the Bulls also on the laptop. And I'm like, I'm watching the three coolest basketball players in the world right now. Dylan, Terry, <laughs> Victor Wembenyama, and Scoot Henderson. So uh, give me all the Dalen. And that is it for the new guys, Jason, because the Bulls did not add many of them this offseason. Yeah. Did, uh, went back to Drummond for a second. Did it pain your heart seeing Isaiah Hardenstein knock down consecutive three-pointers? For the Absolutely. next and last night's game. <laughs> like that would have been the type of signing that, well, basically they didn't make that signing because I believe it would have taken them into luxury tax. I think he got like 8 million got a year. 8 million a year, yeah. And maybe they couldn't have, maybe that would have put them like right up against it or whatever. It would have been close uh, if it didn't take them over. But like, that's the type of move they should have made. Kyle Anderson would have been a good one. Hartenstein would have been a good one. Just like, give me a player who helps the team significantly even if they're not a starter and i just don't think that drummond's going to be a significant benefit and i don't think Dragic is either so. yeah, i mean i've said before i also just would have liked the bigger salary slot for like a younger ish player who like could also have trade value down the line so you also get like possibly better impact player plus the salary slot which could also be used for a trade just better asset management instead yeah we got very sad um that was basically it, right? We've touched on basically all the Bulls, Bulls guys. Like, I mean, like we haven't really talked about Zach much. I mean, he had a couple nice threes, but he was sloppy. Didn't play the second half. It was whatever. Not really worried about him. Talked to Demar. Did his thing. Just always great to see him grift free throws. Uh, I guess out of all the other like deep bench guys, um, all right, so we talked about Dalen. Carlick Jones, one of seven, four assists, like whatever. Don't really care. You probably won't make the team. Kosas got some minutes. Kosas actually, he had three turnovers in seven minutes, but uh, he did have one move where he, which he clearly, he looked like Giannis because he was like drove and basically like just shoved the guy backwards under the basket and scored a Giannis specialty. Uh, Tony, uh, I guess 
Tony Bradley was the third string center and Marco got a DNP. Uh, so I guess one more, another question with Marco, just like, what would you say you do here? You're not, you can't even get a minutes in a preseason game. I'm assuming that he will play at some point in this preseason, but like, again, he's been on a guaranteed contract for a few, few years now. And this guy's getting DNPs in preseason games. I don't think he was hurt. Uh, maybe they're going to do something where like Bradley plays last game. Marco plays this game again. Ultimately, this probably doesn't matter at all, but it still just grinds my gears that he has a guaranteed contract and that he's just been wasting away and that taking up that roster spot. Um, Malcolm Hill, whatever, going for a two-way spot. He's 10 points in 10 minutes. He's fine. Illinois guy, fine for him. Did you have any any other leftover thoughts about the kind of any of these other guys on the roster? Again, I, guess- I guess I just I guess I, my last thing is just again I was just like watching those lineups again. Some of these lineups again just got very confused why Derek Jones Jr. is on this team. Like why. Like just with the lack of shooting, like, again, I like the guy in a vacuum. He's athletic. He can be funny dunks, but like, there's just such a glaring lack of shooting on this roster. And just like some of those lineups they were throwing out, it's like, could you give me a pure shooter in one of these spots, please? Instead of just like all the same type of player, like, and like, obviously Dalen's really fun and exciting, but like right now he's also just fun energy guy who can't shoot for shit. just like, they have those guys up and down the roster would love to have had like a just a knockdown shooter that's not named Matt Thomas who could maybe actually play a little bit. But any of your thoughts on the kind of the back of the roster here of what we saw? I got no thoughts on the back of the roster, but Fair. I will say in general, a big picture thought. Uh, if you're into sports for championships and you think that the whole point of this should be to chase championships, it feels like the Bulls are just not chasing the championship. At all, like watching Wembenyama and Scoot yesterday, if you were really bad, you could say, okay, well, we could truly get a franchise cornerstone with one of these guys. And Wembenyama could be one of the best players ever. Uh, if he hits his potential, I mean, of course, he could also bust. Who knows? There's no sure things, and we can't predict the future. But the Bulls currently do not have a path to the championship whatsoever, I would say. I guess if there's any path, it involves Patrick Williams becoming like a all NBA level player, which like he's not even fucking close to, but they're still going to be pretty competitive. I think that like, I expect them to be about 500. So I'm going to enjoy this season. I love the bulls. Like I like, you know, a, a hometown high school football team where like, <laughs> it's just your guys and yeah. you're happy to see them go out and do well. And you can find things that keep you hooked. Even if there's no title equity. But what's disappointing to me is that I don't think ownership or the front office really ever had the intention of chasing a championship. And that comes down to the Reinsdorfs. I think that when Karnaschovas got hired, he didn't get hired because he said, well, we're going to tear it down. We're going to be bad again. And we are going to, you know, do this from the ground up in a better way than Paxton and Gar did. I think he said, we're going to get you back into the playoffs. We're not going to cross the luxury tax threshold. And I think ideally that's ownership's endgame. They want a team that can make the playoffs without paying luxury tax. And from that perspective, this season can probably be a success. And from a fandom perspective, like I just hated watching the garbage of the tanking the last few years before they got DeMar and Caruso and Lonzo, that was just like truly 
a weight on the fandom. I thought they were the worst team in the league in four years span over the Jimmy trade. But I just wish that they had their eyes on trying to win the championship. And I really don't think they do. <laughs> I think that all they want to do is make money. And it's just I, would, I would like yeah. to give I'd like to give the front office maybe at least a little more benefit of the doubt. Like I don't think AK came in to say, like, I don't want to win titles. But I do I would have to assume that he is working under the constraints of this front office. I mean, just the history says that he is. And just their actions this offseason and the last couple of years say that they are. So, like, until further notice, we're assuming that he's I do agree with the point that we're like, he de- he clearly told them that, like, we're going to get you back to like relevance. And like, I appreciate that. We've we've said that we've appreciated the moves they made to get Demar, Lonzo and like even Caruso to a lesser extent. Vooch. The idea I thought was good execution, maybe a bit desperate for that. Uh and like I do, I like he. Talk, I guess I mean AK said that they need to take their expectations are to take another step this year, win a series. I think we both think that probably won't happen. But like I do, I'm assuming their goal here is to like Pat is good, Io is good. You have Zach on a max, and that you maybe turn you're relevant again. And now like that next star, like that one. I was going to address that trade or like free agency. Like once Vooch and like Demar age out, like you then get your like prime star to play with Zach, a, an improved Pat, Dale and Io, whatever. And like that's how, that's your path to like getting a, a title. But obviously, like right now, it does feel like they're stuck because they don't have much draft capital, uh, and they're just kind of. It looks like they might kind of middle out here and like get out. Like I mean, J- John Hollinger wrote about like the treadmill. We've heard like treadmill of mediocrity, basketball hell, whatever you want to call it. Getting out of that it could be the problem and it does not help when ownership is constraining your front office and their ability to yeah and i guess my thing with like because i was big on the be good be i don't like i don't like tanking unless like they're in very specific scenarios like i would well first of all i wouldn't have traded jimmy when they did but like when they did it then i was like okay you should have tanked that season they did not and they fucking blew the tank and that's one of the reasons why they're they are where they are and what happened the last few years so like if you're gonna do it, you got to go all out. Like I believe the Jazz are probably gonna do, and like the Spurs, they're gonna go all out and probably tank. But like with the Bulls, like I didn't want to do it again, and like I don't know what want to do it now. Like I know like some people are talking. Well, you know what? They should just go like trade Demar, go like maybe trade Zach, I would just like trade all these guys and tank for Wemby. And like I don't think it's that simple no, right now, not this season. Just you can't do like I feel like that would just send a horrible message. Uh, and just like the uh, with the odds flattening and just like so there will be a bunch of other teams. It was already came out today. There was some article about how so, so all these teams are going to tank for these guys when being scoot. So it's like you can't do it this year. And I just like I just feel like as this as this in this market, the Bulls should not really be a tanking market. Like you should be able to get, go from mediocre to NBA finals contender like Miami's done it. I know it's Miami, which is a little but they have South Beach and the weather and all that. But like the Bulls should not be a team that has to tank to really rebuild sometimes certain scenarios maybe yes but like i get the idea of like trying to get good and then like using your market and your supposed advantages to then get be great but when ownership is shitty uh that does not help yeah you took a lot of the words out of my mouth sorry i think obviously that is i would hope is their plan that they can get a big ticket superstar to choose them kevin durant requested a trade this offseason, he named the two teams uh, that had the number one seeds in each conference 
as the top of his list. The Bulls had the number one seed in the East for 70% of the way through the season. So is Kevin Durant requesting a trade to the Bulls if, you know, Lonzo doesn't get hurt and if Zach doesn't play injured the whole year and if the Bulls could stay steady with that number one seed? I don't know, maybe. And hopefully there's another star who one day decides he wants to come to Chicago and play for the Bulls. But that is really their sort of their light at the end of the tunnel, I guess. Like it's either that or Patrick Williams developing into a superstar. And which he just, beco- actually becomes Kawhi. <laughs> yeah. So uh, basically this year, I think like I'm not going to get super stressed out about the Bulls because my expectations aren't high. I like the team. I enjoy watching them play. So I'm just kind of going into it with like, whatever, let's just see what happens this year. It kind of sucks. I don't have a draft pick, uh, but it hey, is what it is, man. And, you know, if, you just build the best team you can. Let's say if they suck, if they actually do really suck bad enough, they get some lottery luck. That draft picks top four protected, baby. <laughs> maybe they'll maybe they'll, they'll end up getting Wemby on or Wemby or Scoot anyways. Uh, they do, and they do also have that whatever that Blazers pick, which what is it? Lottery protected? We'll see Please if trade they're... that. Just yeah, trade it and get a good piece. That, I don't want a lottery is... protected draft pick. Yeah, that's my assumption as well. But uh, yeah, um, do you have any thoughts? I know you did. I believe you did a podcast last night. Was that with Sam Bassini? You talked about Scoot and Wemby. Any other thoughts yeah. on those two guys? That matchup. I was watching the Bulls. I saw some of the highlights on Twitter. Wemby hit what was it seven threes and five blocks? Or was it the other way around? Only done once in NBA history by Danny Green. Uh, I mean, just the hype. One of the it seems like one of the best, just like top high school prospect, top whatever high school prospect matchups like ever, and it lived up to it. Any thoughts there? And I mean, and where you like put those guys in terms of like how they compare to recent top prospects. Yeah. I would just say like, read the thing I wrote at espionation.com, the recap I wrote, if you want to see that or listen to the game theory podcast with Sam Vecini. I was on that after the game. I uh, don't think it makes a ton of sense to talk about it here, but that game was just incredible. Like when Benyama's seven, five, he's an eight foot wingspan. He's doing step back threes. He made seven, three pointers. He should, even if he couldn't shoot or couldn't dribble, he would still probably go number one in the draft just for his defensive upside. And his ability to like slam home lobs, but you have all those skills and he could be a sick shooter. Now in his career last season, he was like a 31% three point shooter. So last night was probably a bit of an outlier. He knocked down seven threes, but he was so impressive. Scoot's awesome. Pierre D Rose vibes from him. So strong, just quick twitch athlete uh, can really like play through contact, which I love to see going through the rim. Like he's small, but he's so powerful. He's just like a compact little bowling ball who just knocks people on their ass. So both of those guys, the other thing that jumps out about them is they're like really great competitors and they, they both want to be great players. So super fun to see uh, you check out my coverage on them at SB nation and really all year I'll be covering the drafts. I always do. So uh, I'm sure I'll have, Way too much time to talk about Victor Wembanyama, and it's only October, and it's crazy that we're already hyping up the draft <laughs> next June. Uh, but I'm super excited for this NBA season too, and I am excited for the Bulls, even if I gave a little bit of a depressing rant about the <laughs> championship equity. So uh, let's get into it, Jace. Three more preseason games left, I believe. One Friday, one Saturday. Uh, I know they play Friday against the Nuggets. I didn't even look further than that, but let me yeah, let me pull it up right here and get that. Yeah, so they, they play Friday and Sunday. They play. I was gonna say a preseason Friday back against to the back. Nuggets, Sunday at the Raptors, and then Tuesday at home against the Bucks. 
and then that's it. All right. And then the season starts. Uh, nice the short preseason. Starts October 19th at Miami. That'll be a tough one. But uh, yeah, a couple preseason games left. Hopefully we'll see a little better, more competitive action when the main guys are playing. Uh, we'll see. Nuggets, are, we know the Nuggets. Uh, we'll see who they play. Uh, but the Nuggets should be a contender this year. They got Jamal Murray back. They got Michael Porter Jr. back. I know Jokic, I think, is a little banged up. Uh, I think he's got a wrist thing, so we'll see if he plays. Obviously, if he does not play, that brings down the stakes slightly for whatever stakes you can have for a preseason game. But hopefully he plays. I want to see the see the Bulls play against these guys when they're at their full strength for at least a half or so. Uh, we'll see how much more any of these guys play. But that'll do it for us here at Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network with the NBA season starting. Great NBA coverage all across the Blue Wire Network. Go check it all out. For us here at Cash, please rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings. Run Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all those fun places. You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore J. You can follow Ricky at SBN underscore Ricky. Please, we'll obviously be tweeting a lot about uh, about the Bulls in this NBA season and about the draft and all that good stuff. Uh, so they'll do it for us here this time at Cash Considerations, a Bulls podcast. We will talk to you next time and check out the Bulls this weekend with a couple preseason games. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.